The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. And welcome to Leading Conversations, everyone. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a very special guest, Isabel Saint-Jean. She is the author of Living Forward, Giving Back. She's also co-author of Einstein's Business, Engaging Soul, Imagination, and Excellence in the Workplace, and a contributing editor to a new anthology called Audacious Aging, Eldership as a Revolutionary Endeavor. Isabel, welcome to Leading Conversations today. Hello, Cheryl. Thank you. How are you? I'm feeling really well. Now, where are you today? Well, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. It's taking a very long time for spring to show up here. We've had a, a coolish uh, March, and uh, we're just getting into April, but I think that spring's just around the corner. Oh, well, we can only hope, right? You know, it's, yeah. uh, and, you know, I mean, this brings up kind of uh, what goes on this time of the year as people begin to look forward, right? The title of your book, your newest book, Living Forward, Giving Back, um, has so much to offer, and we're very happy to be talking about this today. Now, you wrote this book um, because of an interest you developed around the what is called the baby boomer generation. And in that, you have managed to cull through that some patterns that exist in this generation some ways of behaving that exist in this generation. And you've noticed some trends in terms of how this generation ages. And so in this book, you gift us with the big picture and some real practical application and some practices that we can use. So you really cover the gamut here. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start with what, what generated your interest to begin with in this whole concept of the aging baby boomers? Well, Cheryl, I had been, uh, you know, as a life transition coach for a few years, I started to notice that for many people it uh, becomes a challenging time of life. You know, we have uh, uh, the expression, the midlife crisis, that uh, is well known to be a place where there can be a bit of a stumbling block on the path <laughs> Uh, in, in many people's lives, and right. so I got interested in that and also entered my own uh, 50s and found that I was asking myself a lot of uh, very deep, profound questions and noticing that there was this awakening in our generation. Uh, it definitely seemed that many of us were wanting to retrieve uh, some of the ideals that we might have walked away from and to a certain extent, um, and also noticing actually a, a real uh, sense of um, diversity in our generation. 
And so I had to be sure to acknowledge that and be very careful around that because it wasn't really a ma- I, I didn't want to put everyone <laughs> in the same uh, kind of, uh, you know, in, in the same mold here. I'm not sure. addressing the, the generation as a whole as if we are uh, a homogeneous sure. uh, whole, but uh, definitely honoring the diversity in it and pointing out that many of us have come to a time where, uh, well, we have a lot to do and we have a lot to give. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, talk about some of the trends you did see. I mean, I understand that, you know, we were all different and we all approach life in, in, in our own ways. Mm-hmm. But you did notice some trends that... Um, you know, some that were not working so well and some that prompted you to investigate this further. Talk a little bit about those. Right. Well, um, some of the trends that I talk about in terms of things that aren't working so well, uh, I'm thinking of how some of us have gotten uh, sidetracked by uh, the urge to consume uh, quite a lot, you know. Um, I, I refer in my book also to what is called the false consumer self that is mentioned in a beautiful anthology that's called Eco-Psychology, mm-hmm. where the author uh, talk about this self that is kind of manufactured uh, by the, the marketing uh, machine, basically, and um, mm-hmm. how much it's, uh, it's created that, it's created from a distortion of real basic human needs. And some of us have uh, gotten into that. And uh, at the end of uh, a few decades, we're noticing that we have too much stuff. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes it feels like all this stuff is not even really contributing to our happiness Mm. very, you know, at all. Um, So there's some shifts that are occurring around that. Obviously, with the current economy, many people are rethinking and uh, are drawn to uh, a way of life that is much more characterized by simplicity. Hmm. And that means that, of course, when we have uh, less, we tend to appreciate more. Um, So one of the things that occur often in midlife, which is quite timely in relation to what's going on in our society right now, is that we tend to have a greater appreciation for uh, what is quanti- quantitatively satisfying rather than qualitatively, or rather actually the other way around. I'm sorry. Right, right, yeah. it's, more, it's more we seek quality rather than quantity. Sure. So that's, that's one of the differences that seems to occur as we move through midlife. But at the end of the chapter, when you, since you're mentioning the, the start of my book, I pointed out that um, I identified well, six different trends that I thought were um, positive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that feel that we're going in um, uh, towards some good changes, some, some, a kind of future that will hopefully be much more livable and comfortable. We're, we're in that turning point, as you know. Um, so some of those uh, include, for example, I talked about the fact that the triple bottom line is growing in popularity. Now explain for people what that is. 
Yes, it is simply the fact that it is not just profits that matter, but also how people are served, both people that we serve with, with uh, for any business that we are operating, as well as the employees that are working in this uh, business. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the impact that we have on the environment. Uh, or, Well, there's more and more of an awareness of wanting to uh, minimize our footprint, as you know. And so um, that triple bottom line is uh, getting to be something very important that can help uh, turning things around in terms of the critical place we're in at, on this planet. Mm. Um, you know, it makes me wonder, um, for a while, you know, when, when green became very popular and um, after years of environmentalists saying, you know, excuse me, hello, there's something going on here we should all be paying attention to, and, you know, business was moving fast and Wall Street was moving fast and everybody was making a lot of money and then finally, a few years ago, green became popular. And then it seemed like the business community um, usurped green, you know, mm-hmm. took it over. Yeah. And, yeah. and then it was, it was a matter of everybody was green. And, and, of course, that created a little bit of suspicion, right? You know, uh-huh. it's like, how can that right. be possible? How can they go from being uh, just your basic multinational corporation one week to being, you know, green and clean the next week? Somehow there was a disconnect. But that happened. And then um, there was the, the economic meltdown. And people, you know, after being so focused on green, Everybody said, oh, yeah, green's important, but, you know, now we're all in trouble. And it seemed like green kind of lost its luster a little bit as people have been focusing on the economic crisis, quote-unquote. And so now, you know, I'm wondering how this is going to evolve, what's going to happen next. If, as you are saying, you know, people are now going to start focusing on what matters to them, you know, what, what's the quality? It seems to me that green, quote-unquote, may actually become popular again, but maybe in a different way. What do you think about that? Mm. Yes. Well, uh, I, I know what you mean, that there are a lot of environmental uh, recently quite concerned and worried that... Uh, the uh, the economic downturn will make people question whether they should go through the trouble of uh, going green because in some ways it, uh, it increases uh, certain expenses. Uh, it can create uh, more difficulties, at least at first, while people are, are shifting uh, their way of doing business. Um, but I think in the end... You know, part of what's encouraging, another trend that I've noticed is the fact that there's so many grassroots movement now. Um, you might have, uh, you, you're probably aware of the book by Steve, uh, Paul Hawken mm-hmm. called Blessed, Blessed Unrest, yes. uh, where he has, he has a list there of thousands upon thousands of organizations that have developed from people connecting together, organizing together, and um, taking action. Um, and I think that that can be a counter force to 
um, some of the people perhaps in the business world that might be saying, well, we can't really afford to go green. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to me that um, all of these grassroots movements are really having more and more impact on our culture, on our society. I think the sense of awareness around all these critical issues is just spreading like wildfire. Um, This past weekend, I was in Portland at a social innovation forum. And uh, and when you go to these kinds of events, you really become aware of uh, how much uh, all of these issues are on people's mind, and to what extent many and more and more people are willing to make the shifts in their in their everyday life, um, so that we can return to some sense of harmony with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other piece I would add is that I think that there's an awareness growing around, um, well. It, around wisdom, around how much wisdom is a needed resource at this time. And then this is part of my passion around the whole topic of the second half of life that is central to my book, mm. is that, you know, we've been in the information age for a long time now. And, of course, with technology, there's so much more information, and it multiplies at an increasing rate. Sure. And we can't keep up with it anymore. Okay. Uh, but then... We've overvalued uh, information and knowledge and undervalued very much true wisdom. Mm. Well, you know, it sounds like there's a whole lot more to that story. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, let's talk more about finding that wisdom. We'll be right back. Thank you. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back. This is Cheryl Esposito with Leading Conversations, and we're speaking with Isabel Saint-Jean today, author of Living Forward, Giving Back. Isabel, in our last segment, we were speaking a little bit about um, the trends you have seen and how we actually, as a generation and as a globe, um, get to wisdom, moving from the information age to the wisdom age. So talk a bit about these 
trends. Let's go back to these trends that you have identified, the positive trends that you have identified that show up in your book. Mm-hmm. Well, another one among the boomers is connected with the developmental stage that is part of midlife. This is something that Eric Erickson had identified uh, in the past century when he talked about the different life stages, Um, and I particularly appreciate when he talks about generativity, which is a a term that he coined, uh, to mean that we, as we enter midlife, typically we start to feel that we're wanting to make a contribution, we want to make a difference, and we want to care for others in a more expansive way than we might have. For example, you know, we we want to... um, well, we may notice that we care very much for our neighbors, our family, people close to us, but there's a, there's a sense that it's time to expand and extend that sense of caring. And so there's a, a dimension of altruism that starts seeping into our consciousness and uh, calling us slowly and sometimes loudly <laughs> at this time. So that's another trend that more and more people in, in our generation, the boomers, are, are awakening to that inner force that urges them to uh, move into action. And sometimes it can be small action. Sometimes some people carry it to a larger extent, but it, I think it's a, it's a beautiful resource and it's very timely given all the needs in our world now. Right, right. Um, and then creativity, of course, is also something you probably notice yourself, that uh, you might have friends that are in their 50s, and all of a sudden um, they're, they're starting to, to take up dance or a painting class mm. or uh, finding ways to, to create, even in everyday life. Everything can be done more creatively. Um, in my family, my sister who was uh, doing, involved in theater when she was a teenager. And uh, she went on to have her career uh, in, in nursing, actually, in administration. And then in her 50s, she decided to tap into that passion again. And she joined, she lives in Montreal, and she joined the theater group uh, where she got to perform numerous times. And it was very exciting for her. Uh, and myself, well, I, I used to paint and, and draw a lot as a teenager, and uh, I had nothing to do with that for decades. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of a gray, long winter in Vancouver, I was so hungry for colors that I took a big a canvas and I started painting actually with dry pastels and made huge blossoming flowers that are symbols of inner blossoming. Yeah, so, uh, so it was uh, just example of what seems to occur but among uh, many of us, I think. Uh, you do uh, see that, you know. I, mean, I, th- I find that fascinating. You do see that um, with people as they move into their 40s and 50s. There's just this desire to create, and it does show up a lot of times in art or movement. Um, yes. Sometimes, you know, things like cooking or gardening, you know, oh. it's fascinating. I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but but it's fascinating because those are things that are simple, right? That's right. Oh, yes. I think we all have a, a bit of a craving to free ourselves into exuberance somehow. <laughs> I love that. Free ourselves into exuberance. I like that. <laughs> yes, that's right. And that, that there was a moment like that in the movie, Mamma Mia, you might have seen, uh, where Meryl Streep uh, uh, starts dancing through the village and women start to follow her and they're 
singing, and then they jump into into uh, uh, the body of water that's there. And so, and there's that sense. I was just so moved in seeing that scene because it was like that's what I thought. There they are, freeing themselves into exuberance, and we all have a part of us that craves that from time to time. That's great. That's great. So you talk about eldership. You know, in fact, that is in the. Um, in the title of the anthology that you are a contributing editor to, the Audacious Aging Eldership as a Revolutionary Endeavor. Yes. In your book, Living Forward, Giving Back, you talk about eldership. You know, the concept of being elderly has not necessarily been well received in in our Western society. Um, it tends to have much more reverence in an Eastern society. But um, talk a little bit about how that's shifting, or is that shifting, in a Western society? Well, I think it is shifting, and certainly um, it it has, I think some of us have a little bit of growing pains in that area. I have a wonderful model for a way to age uh, very wisely and with great vitality is uh, a friend of mine who is 95 years old uh, that I mention in my book, and his name is Jan First, and he lives on Bowen Island, a little island around Vancouver. And uh, he, uh, one of his favorite activities, in fact, that he did with my teenage children on a couple of occasions was fencing. So uh, right through, well, he's 96 now, and I think he's doing a little less fencing, but I've seen him (laughs) getting into that in the last couple of years, and it's quite amazing. Uh, He's also developed uh, a project to support education in Ghana. That was just in the last couple of years, and it's progressing very well. Mm -hmm. And in his early 90s, he um, wrote his third book. Uh, As well, in his late 80s, he taught himself to use computers. (laughs) In fact, one of the times that I've uh, met with him a few months ago, he was telling me about some new piece of technology that I didn't know about. (laughs) So uh, here we are. So he's a wonderful model. But I think that what is a little sad for me to see is that um, there are uh, still many of us in our generation um, who are in our 50s and still being torn by the sense of the mixed messages we get. You know, on one hand, yes, we want to be wise. We, we realize that wisdom is something, is a, wa- a very valuable resource. On the other hand, um, it's not uncommon to see most women in midlife still coloring their hair um, because uh, they were wanting to, there's, there's some sense that they need to conceal mm. the signs of aging in their, on their physiology. Um, and so, you know, we know that we're, we're driven by a, a youth-worshipping culture, and mm-hmm. so women especially, is, I think, suffer from um, feeling that if they don't retain their youthful look somehow, um, they will, well, you know, we often hear them say, we feel invisible. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that can change uh, because, uh, especially when when we will be recognizing more and more that uh, our generation can move into eldership with a great sense of passionate, purposeful engagement, as well as being um, very much wanting to make a contribution and again contributing our wisdom which is um, still something that is, as I said, not highly valued in our culture, but it needs to be. 
You know, I, um, I the generation being a baby boomer myself, I'm kind of right in the middle of it, um, and being part of a generation that really has gotten everything we wanted because, and primarily it was because of sheer numbers. We were such a large group of people. And so as we started moving toward any particular activity or action or request, um, it became the norm. And we pretty much got to call the shots. And, um, you know, and of course now this generation is having to take ownership of some of the downfall of this economy. Um, because it was because of some of the practices and the desires and the um, you know extravagant lifestyles and the belief we could have everything um, that got us into this mess. And so um, I find it interesting that you know the generation who said we could have it all also brought it all down to its knees. So you know how do we now? Um, take this, I guess crisis is the only word that everybody's using, you know, how do we take this crisis, how do we take this huge drama that we're in the middle of and transform it? What do we need to do to make it work for us? Mm. Yes, well, that's, that is a substantial question, Cheryl, <laughs> and that's part of what is addressed in, in both my books, actually. Um, you know, so I think the way to answer that perhaps is mentioning some pieces of the equation, of course, because I wouldn't have all the answers. <laughs> um, but I would say certainly introspection is an important uh, part of what we need to do to be, to pause and um, perhaps collectively and individually uh, look at how can we respond rather than react in our lives um, because, you know, with the pace that we're living now, so many of us are hooked into a lot of um, habits and uh, ways of reacting to what's going on and um, we, we've kind of lost our ability to respond often because we're not necessarily really grounded and centered in a balance of body, mind, spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing. Um, I think the other piece that I often talk about when I'm facilitating with groups is that, um, and it was like that also when I was at the forum this weekend, all the emphasis was on what are we to do Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also like to point out that it's important for people to ask themselves, who are they going to be? Mm. Um, so bringing out the qualities of being, the character strength um, that can help us to um, find our way to the kind of future we want to create. You know, tap into the grand will within us, um, or I like how Peter Senge calls us to t- become forces of nature, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's kind of a l- dimension of leadership that we have to take from the inside out. Um, perhaps, you know, look at are we really leading our lives or are we just spending our lives some of the right. time? Right, right, yeah. Well, and I think that a lot of people... Um, 
do feel like they are spending their lives and you know using it up as opposed mm-hmm. to being intentional um, right how they are taking charge and leading it you know this brings me back to the um, the question of getting to wisdom and um, it occurs to me that the introspection piece truly is the the first step to getting to our inner wisdom and I want us to talk more about this um, after our this break and get to the how can we cultivate that wisdom but uh, we're going to take a break right now and we'll be right back Great. thank you the internet's only all business and financial radio network voice america business Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity, but being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Esposito. We're speaking with Isabel Saint-Jean today, author of Living Forward, Giving Back. So we were just getting into the concept of wisdom, Isabel, and, and my question to you is how do we cultivate this inner wisdom? What are some of the things we can do? Well, um, well part of what comes to mind is you might have noticed this, Cheryl, that uh, it, well, certainly that's something I've observed that almost everyone that seems to have a great depth of wisdom, if you look at in, in their past history, most likely there'd been, there would have been some, some significant adversity that they've overcome. Mm. And um, it, it's also it's how they have managed to overcome that adversity. And quite often, one of the ways they would have done that would have been the ability to stand back 
and quiet their mind, um, the ability to see the whole, you know, um, as well as a way in which we can, from that distancing, discern in any given situation what really matters and what does not, mm. and shift our life accordingly. Mm-hmm. As well, I think another dimension of wisdom has to do with the ability to bridge reason and feeling, mm. the emotional and the rational, and uh, create a sense of balance in how we listen and make peace with those dimensions in ourselves as we go about our daily life. Well, can you say a little bit more about that? Because I, I think that that is a um, challenge point for a lot of people, you know, that bridging reason and feeling. Yes. Well, I think that part of the challenge is uh, comes out of, is born out of the, the, the fast pace that many of us live in, and so that um, we we don't necessarily have time to stand back and observe and make choices around how we're going to respond. As I mentioned a, minute, a few minutes ago, is that often we tend to react in uh, automatic mode, and so that. And when we do that, if you think about uh, uh, you know the part of our brain that is the reactive emotional part. Um, the uh, uh, now I forget the ex- exact term for it at the moment is the part of the brain that is reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and and when we are engaged in that way of reacting, then obviously we cannot make the, the wisest choice. You know, um, and if you look at what happens, one of the world events, and uh, compare a way of responding that was so much more wise. Um, if you, you know, you and I, I know we were in Bali together and we had a wonderful experience there. I'll say we because I, I, I believe you yeah. did as well. We, we both have a great love for that part of the world. And um, if we think back of what occurred when there was the bombing in 2002 in Bali mm-hmm. and the reaction that I, that I referred to in my book, um, from the people in power there, which was, well, uh, one of, of um, self-examination and looking and pondering what, what have we done to contribute to this mm-hmm. kind of outcome, uh, mm-hmm. to, for this to occur. Um, and so this was introspection on a collective level, level which is amazing. It was pretty. It was a pretty uh, interesting response, and, and there was a lot of criticism from around the world of um, the Balinese and of the Indonesian government because um, there was a sense that you know you should be angry about this, and uh-huh. you know, and it was fascinating to watch them say, "Well, um, we are not happy about this, and it, we are very saddened, and uh, it hurts us a lot." And, you know, just as you say, Isabel, they, they really said, and they said this very publicly, which I think was also um, very courageous, um, but in, in ways that, though, it, it's as if they couldn't be any other way because this really is who they are, you know, and they said, what did we do to bring this on, you know? And, and I thought, I remember thinking at the time, I could not ever imagine 
the U.S. government saying something like that, saying exactly. something that was so powerful like that. That's right. Uh, uh, the, that government went straight into retaliation, as you know, <laughs> obviously. And so that, uh, actually the word I was looking for was the reptilian brain, you know, that reactionary ah, yes. part of our brain where um, you might have heard the expression uh, that, that sometimes we, are, we can be hijacked by that part of our brain mm-hmm. and then uh, we, are, we become uh, unable to access greater kind of intelligence and wisdom as well. So, um, yeah, that, that's part of the challenge. And I think our culture, which is so fast-paced and where we still value speed, um, then, especially through technology, we were made to worship speed through technology. And so uh, that, that, that is part of is the, the shadow side, I think, of, of the speed and, and the, uh, uh, the acceleration of technologies that we risk um, losing track of uh, the way that we can find our way back to uh, a much wiser way of being and responding to what occurs instead of reacting or retaliating in right. some case. And I want to move to um, a part of your book where you talk about financial issues. And, you know, given that this is a very timely topic, um, and people in um, some of the boomer generation are finding that the future they planned is not the future they're going to have um, uh-huh. because the um, 401Ks and the investment and stock portfolios suddenly are not there to support this future that they planned. So, you know, everybody's reevaluating, and, and not everybody, but many people are reevaluating, and they're looking at, um, so what is my possible future now? And you title the chapter in your book, Your Financial Resourcefulness. Uh-huh. That's very good, versus your financial resources, yes. That's and right. so tell us a bit about our financial resourcefulness, how you view this. Well, um, you know, I think this is something that can vary so much uh, for everyone. So there's not a a kind of an easy formula that uh, everyone can aspire to, of course. But I think that um, as we... um, what I suggest that people may may look at, as a matter of fact, their resourcefulness, not just their, res- their financial resource, and reassess uh, in terms of what they may be able to to draw from in terms of um, their their talents and their abilities and all of their experience. Uh, I have an example in the book where um, a, a woman who was in her early 60s, she was a textile artist and teacher at university, and she retired and then opened a boutique um, where she makes exquisite clothing with uh, textile art. And it's a wonderfully creative engagement. It took her a couple of years to uh, starting to be known, and now she's thriving and doing very well. And uh She's in her 60s and uh, enjoying um, basically something that that has been a lifelong passion for her. Mm. Um, And it contributes beauty and elegance uh, to the world in a way. And so there are um, many examples of of people who will 
um, decide at some point in midlife or even later on in, uh, in the gateway of eldership mm. uh, to tap into some talents um, and really g- devote themselves to to uh, to those abilities and those skills and um, with a sense of deep commitment and the support they may have had of others and some resources then uh, they can often uh, create something wonderful uh, and make a contribution uh, in the process. So I'm encouraging people to consider that because Mm -hmm. um, um, it seems to be something that more and more people are drawn to, to live their life in their own term. Uh, I've recently heard of a fellow who um, in Canada who was 70 years old who wrote a book uh, he had written a couple of books in the past, but unfortunately I don't have the title of the book, but it was a novel, and it became very successful very quickly. And um, now he's gotten a contract to write another book uh, that, that's going to be published. And that started at, at, seven, at the age of 70 for him, mm-hmm. this kind of success. So Never too late. Know. Yes, yes. So I think uh, part of it can be a reflection of how much sense of passionate engagement we can uh, feed into uh, right. a, new, a new way of life and opening right. new possibilities. You well, know. you talk in the book about um, the virus of insufficiency. And, you know, as I look around what's going on um, in the global conversation these days, um, you know, not, be, not having enough. You know, they're not being enough. They're not yeah. being enough jobs, enough money, enough... Um, um, work to go around, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, just fill in the blanks. And I wonder about that. How do you determine, or, or, or what, what's your perspective of this virus of insufficiency and how we move past it? Well, I think that we could be aspire, inspired by uh, some what goes on in nature, you know, there, there are cycles in nature, um, and there is, if you think about a tree, it doesn't keep on growing forever and ever, you know, there are, it, it, um, I remember being fascinated with a tree that's called the arbutus tree, and it has a self-pruning mechanism where some of the branches will be, um, uh, cut off somehow, the tree has a, a procedure inside itself to, to, uh, for the, the lower branches to die off and so that the tree can grow in height. But hmm. eventually, uh, you know, the, the, the growth starts to, to slow down. And if we think about the economy and that the, the big machine, economic machine, to drive what has been equated as progress and growth uh, to, to no end, and we know that the, the whole... Uh, uh, the market has been uh, made up of inf- artificially inflated values and so on. So all of that, at some point, uh, you know, is bound to to collapse because it's been so artificially created. Um, so that's that's what we're seeing is the this, uh, deep, profound shift. And um, at the end of that, I think this what's emerging is a return to to more grounded. Uh, appreciation for r- what is real, uh, what is real and what is truly valuable and important. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you know, that certainly seems to be the conversation shift that's happening uh-huh. in 
we can only hope that that's exactly what's, where we're headed. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, um, I want us to talk a little bit about your take on um, leaving your legacy. We'll be right back. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with Isabel Saint-Jean today. So, Isabel, we've had this fantastic conversation about um, what has been happening with the baby boomers and aging. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk about what to do, how to be. One of the areas you get into in your book, um, Living Forward, Giving Back, is about legacy. And you have in there a quote by Joseph Jaworski, um, who wrote The Synchronicity of Leadership. And Joseph says, I discovered that people are not really afraid of dying. They are afraid of never having lived, never having deeply considered their life's purpose, not ever having stepped into that purpose, and at least tried to make a difference. So you selected that quote to go into your book for a reason, and you consider legacy important. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, And again, that is something that I notice in the people that I've uh, worked with, uh, either through coaching or some of the seminars that I've been leading, is that yearning to... um, uh, that that quest for a sense of purposeful engagement in people, especially around midlife, when often they have achieved uh, a lot out of their ambition, and uh, then there's a sense of uh, now what? Um, and part of what I point out to people is that, you know, if you can cultivate the ability to see your life as um, a gift that's been entrusted onto you, then when we have that way of perceiving our lives, naturally what comes out of that is a sense of mission. 
mm-hmm. you know, when someone gives you a gift and say, you know, make the very best use of this, you're on a mission mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to fulfill mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the potential and to really make the very best use of that life. Mm-hmm. So that I think that when we uh, cultivate and stay in contact with that sense of mission at the heart of our life, uh, then we are more inclined to uh, maneuver and navigate through that journey with being attracted to opportunities and uh, drawing to us the people that can be in alignment with us to help us. Um, perhaps we might engage with others in doing projects or even volunteering or, you know, so many different ways of feeling that we are indeed leading uh, our lives and leading our legacy. Mm. Uh, you know, the expression is leaving a legacy, but, uh, you know, what that means to me is that it seems to imply you just kind of live in, in the best way you can and hope that you'll be remembered for something significant at the end of it. Right. But So I like to, I prefer to say leading your legacy in a way that you make it an intentional, that, you know, if you're 55, you're looking at, okay, if I'm estimating another three decades ahead of me, how will I use those best so that my passage on earth will have um, made a difference for one person or two or a hundred, perhaps? Right, right. Well, and that brings me to the the question. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about people, referring a lot about people who are, you know, age 40-plus in this conversation, and yet, um, you know, there are people who are in their 20s and 30s who are listening to us today, and you know, what is the message for them? What is it they need to hear so that, you know, they're, so, so that they learn to take something away from this conversation for them? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a couple of things to come to mind here. You know, sometimes that, uh, well, there's often uh, a comment from, from us, boomers or elders that, oh, it seems like the people in their 20s and 30s, they're a little bit spoiled and <laughs> they want to have everything right away. And uh, there's that sense of instant, instant gratification that often they've been used to through uh, technology. So it, it's natural that, that they would become, they would have that, that part of them um, uh, wanting that, that instant everything. Uh, so it's not a judgment, but... Um, you know, I think that perhaps some of the difficult times that we come upon economically for many of us, including people of that generation, is it could be a piece of adversity through which they can have the opportunity to develop wisdom because that is one of the ways we develop wisdom. We need to go through adversity to be able to, to develop it. So that's one thing um, that maybe... Um, something to think about when they are going through difficult times that they are. So, so look at the adversity more as a gift and a learning opportunity, even yeah, though exactly. it may be painful in the moment. Right. Yes. Keep the perspective that, you know, there's a, there's a positive side here. That's right. And then they can deepen their, their creativity because uh, that's also something important to find new ways of responding mm-hmm. to what's going on. Mm-hmm. As well, I would say in, in the 20s, um, people in their 20s, I, I definitely encourage uh, them from time to time. I do work uh, uh, as a coach with people that are seeking uh, their authentic vocation. Mm. And uh, what I notice is that there's not necessarily a lot of encouragement 
um, for people in in the younger years to really look inside of themselves and um, uh, develop their their uh, vocation and their passion, their their engagement in the workplace uh, towards something that they are truly um, enamored with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know myself, I I really was uh, not very well guided in that respect, and I ended up with three careers throughout my life. And in some ways, I've appreciated the change and the shift that I've made. But on the other hand. Um, when I look at the careers I had right at the start in my 20s, they, they really weren't relevant at all to what my true abilities are. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage people to not just look at what they will choose to do from an, uh, economic priorities, but also to give uh, themselves, devote themselves into what they love and they're passionate about. That is so important. Right. Well, you know, and I think that in, in the 20s, it seems like it's tough to know what that is. Uh huh. Yes, it can take time. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what what occurs sometimes is that one of my coaching clients in his, in his fifties, and uh, he was a lawyer, and he realized that he made some choices and uh, that were not really in his best interest. And well, certainly he got great financial stability and status, and he enjoyed that, but he ended up feeling that he had been sort of prisoners of his choices in some ways because mm-hmm. he had built uh, a, a lot of uh, around it's, it's like as if his success became a little bit like a golden cage at one point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that can be a difficult time. But, um, yeah, I think that if we trust in our gift and ourselves and our sense of purpose, um, that we we can make choices where we can end up. Um, I think you, you you probably encounter people that that made that was very evident for them, and not everyone can find it that quickly and easily. Yes, what they are meant to do, and sometimes it changes over a lifetime for sure. But there, it's beautiful when you see someone in their twenties who really hone their their passion and deepen mm-hmm. their knowledge around it, and then you see them a few decades later, and they've got an exquisite mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, their work has become an art, and 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 they are. Um, still happy and thriving within it. Right, right. Well, something I'm noticing about um, the generation of 20 and 30-somethings is that there's a large percentage of them who seem to be extremely concerned with doing something that matters. Um, Uh Not just, you know, concerned about getting a job or having a career, but really doing something that matters. And that, you know, gives me hope and and should give all of us hope. So we have come to the end of our show, Isabel, already, and um, this has been great having you here. And I know people um, only got a taste of who you are and what you're about. If you want to know more about you and your work and the book, uh, where can they go? Uh, my website is called inspiredmomentum.com. Okay. And so there they can see um, the books, and actually there's information about them. There's images of the covers, uh, and uh, they can they can read um, uh, some parts of it. 
And then uh, also there's information about my work. Wonderful. Well, we appreciate you being here today. It's been a great hour of conversation with you. And uh, best of luck with the book and and all of of your books, uh, Living Forward, Giving Back, A Practical Guide to Fulfillment in Midlife and Beyond, and the others. So uh, thanks again, Isabel. Take care. And remember, everyone, to think big because the world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 